Hello, and welcome to Surviving the Modern World, Episode 5. Uh, my name is Jason, and I'm your host. And we kind of started figuring out a little bit of this program. As you can hear in the background, I have some music going. And uh, it was kind of a pain to find some with uh, free licensing. and uh, But anyway, we did it. So I'm playing around with it a little bit more and trying to get you guys a little bit better quality of a show. Thanks for sticking with us, and uh, thanks for your downloads. Really, really appreciate it. Appreciate all the feedback and all the support that we've been getting. And uh, at the end of this show, I'm going to actually have one of my first guests on. And uh, it's my little girl, Violet, who's three. She came in, and we were playing with the microphone, and she kind of told me what she wants for Christmas. So I thought it was cute. So I recorded it, and that'll be at the very end. All right. So today's uh, podcast is going to be on food storage. Okay. And I mean, there's so many subjects, you know, to, to choose a subject to go ahead and, and do is actually really tough. But, you know, being a young new podcast, what I'm trying to do is um, really just kind of go along with the seasons for now. Um, I mean, there's a million subjects that we definitely need to cover and uh, just never enough time to do anything, right? But, you know, last uh, episode we did was uh, winter prepping. And um, to go along with the winter prepping, you know, it's, it's the month of December. Today is actually the 11th. And uh, it's getting pretty cold outside. I mean, we're looking at, you know, 19 degrees in the morning when I'm driving to work. And, uh, you know, maybe a high of 39, 40 degrees in the middle of the day. I mean, that's just a little bit above freezing, you know. So we're getting there. And so, you know, I was kind of discussing with my brother, some friends, and uh, my wife, and, and I was asking them, you know, what do you think would be the next show? What should we do? And, you know, we came over a lot of things, and I really want to cover entitlists, um, the people who think that they deserve a free handout, your Bernie su- supporters and all those retards. But the biggest thing that kind of clicked with me right at the last minute was, um, you know, food storage. Because, you know, okay, at this time of the year, you're not able to go out and grow anything. So, one, we never know when the crap is going to go down. You just don't know. And, uh, you know, I mean, somebody could blow something up tonight in the middle of the night. Um, You know, your power could be out. Everything can go downhill pretty quick. And so, the one thing that I kind of wanted to stress and hint on, you know, we've got some of the you know, winter survival stuff out of the way. I mean, I know I didn't cover everything. It's tough to try and keep these shows into like a 45 to, uh, you know, hour long thing, you know, due to uh, compressing, um, you know, using free podcasts, you know, uh, station sites, whatever they, they do limit you to like 250 megabytes. So you do have to keep them fairly short. But with that, um, food storage, extremely important and this can go year round and a lot of people you know you know you might think well you know I don't think anything bad's going to happen to the point that there won't be any food at the store or that I can't run out last minute and get some well it doesn't have to be just that it doesn't have to be just an emergency um one of the biggest things that um could really happen is in today's economy it's terrible but we could also have layoffs 
So let's say you're working your job, everything's going great, and all of a sudden your company goes under. And, you know, right now I'm working at a company that's in the coal industry and pretty crappy, scary industry right now. Um, So many people are misinformed about coal. They think it's like a toxic sludge that you have to, you know, just about wear a biohazard suit to even handle it. Well, if you ever seen coal firsthand, it's a pretty slick little rock. I mean, it's not slimy, but it's slick. It's smooth. And it's petrified tree and it's, um, you know, dead plant life, animal, whatever that's just been compressed. And it's pretty much almost like a pure carbon of some type. And, you know, it does burn a little bit on the sulfury side, but, you know, I mean, you look at all these forest fires and stuff that go on, they don't put out, you know, clean gases either. I mean, you catch anything on fire, it's going to put off a byproduct. But at the same time, you know, people are thinking, oh man, this coal is just terrible. You look at all that smoke coming out of these nuke or these uh, power plants, these coal power plants are just terrible. Well, they're not very smart because the smoke, quote unquote, is actually steam. Okay. The coal is um, burned and it boils the water. Okay. And the water vapors are coming up and it's a steam. And yes, there is smoke involved in that as well, but they have what's called a scrubber system. Well, your scrubber system cleans it all out. And, uh, you know, for the most part, it, it's pretty pretty much steam coming out of the top of those smokestacks. Um, so anyway, just wanted to kind of clarify that. It, it just kind of one of those things that a lot of uneducated people don't really understand. And, uh, you know, if go to Google, go to images and just type in coal power plants. And you'll definitely be able to tell if there's a photoshopped, gloomy, nasty sky in the background because, you know, anytime we drive into um, Emory County area, Huntington and, and Castledale, you're driving down the highway and you're looking right at a coal power plant for several miles. And all you can ever see is clear, beautiful skies around it with steam coming up in the air. And most of it's dissipated after a few hundred feet above it. So it's, you know, it's just one of those things that if you don't know it firsthand and you're catching what a politician is saying, you know, I mean, educate yourself a little bit, you know, and that goes for anything. You know, I'm sure there's subjects that I, the only information I get is off of the news and they lean you one way or the other. But anyway, to get back on track, my whole point with that was just the economy can change in the blink of an eye. Okay. The industry that supports me, supports my family can be taken away from us, you know, overnight. So you just never know. And EPA standards and stuff are being set higher and higher. Also, machinery is getting better and better. Um, A lot of times, you know, you see a new machine, maybe it's on YouTube and you're just like, wow, that's amazing. If you've never seen it, um, go on YouTube and type in um, tree clearing machine and it will blow your mind. This machine comes in, it swings in, latches onto a tree, cuts it at the base. And as the tree is falling, this thing just, I mean, the way that they move and everything, it absorbs most of the shock and it starts stripping branches as it feeds it through. And it'll cut off pieces of tree into the size of poles that they need. And you think, wow, that's really amazing. And it is, that is really cool. But the downfall is that one machine just replaced 20 to 25 workers, okay? And 
that's in every industry. And, you know, people, come on, let's wake up. We're not ready for this type of stuff. Um, you know, we've got a huge population and everybody in the population needs a job, needs an income. And we keep creating things that do the job easier, faster, and better. But all it's doing is taking away your job. And, you know, we shouldn't all go back to 30 people with chainsaws cutting down trees. But at the same time, you know, we need to find, you know, solutions for these other people. And, you know, so, I mean, and that goes for everything. I'm sure that every industry is running into the same thing. And, uh, you know, robotic welding. They have robotic welders that probably replace 10 welders at one point, you know. And it just happens. You know, and you do need operators to run them, but, you know, nothing like you used to. And with the population that we have in the world, hey, guys, it's it's pretty tough to find a, a good job. And I'm always telling my kids, I say, hey, you know what? You guys really need to, you know, wake up and look around because, you know, if you don't do good in school and you don't get a good education, you don't get a, a decent job, it's going to be really tough for you guys because it's getting tough for my generation right now. And you know, it's only going to get tougher guys, you know, with people shutting down industries, shutting down entire ways of life. And, uh, you know, I'm glad to see one of the things that I really am glad to see that Trump is doing so far is he's trying to bring jobs back into America by putting heavy, heavy taxes on places that have been outsourcing for years. And, um, you know, I mean, I, I don't really mean this podcast to turn into a economy podcast, but it kind of goes hand in hand with food storage. Because if your job is in one of those, like your oil industry, people that were in oil, working on oil rigs, um, even gas, anything to do with drilling gas and oil, um, I'd say five to seven years ago, everybody was like, wow, that guy makes so much money. And look at those guys at the oil rigs, they've got it made. I know several people right now in my hometown, and some of them are really good friends of mine, and they are out of work, have been out of work, and are struggling right now. And, you know, you just want to help them and, and try and get them on where you work, but we're kind of struggling right now. I mean, everybody's struggling. And so with that, if you have a decent food storage, um, and I'm not just talking a cupboard full of tuna fish, okay? Because if you listen to my intro, that's pretty much what I had during my first uh, real time of need, whenever I needed something, I was stuck with cans of tuna fish. It sucks, guys. That is something you don't want to live through. But if if uh, you were to you know have a food storage that's pretty decent, and let's say you lost your job, hey, that would be something. You know, if I didn't have to worry about purchasing as much food as I do now, you know, I mean that some people's food bills every month are several hundred dollars. You know. And so it's like, Hey, that's one thing that's a load off your back. One less worry, go ahead. You know, it doesn't have to be a total collapse of the government zombies, whatever it could be just so much as like you losing your job and, uh, you know, or even let's say they do some cutbacks and maybe even give you a pay bump down, you know, to where, you know, maybe, Hey, you're not doing the job you used to do. Now you're working for half the pay, but they're keeping you on. And that's happened in my industry. And, you know, maybe you just can't afford the lifestyle that you used to have. So, you know, I, I, I kind of see how it goes hand in hand. Everything goes hand in hand in some way, 
but a food storage, okay, let's kind of start off with that. And a lot of people that I've talked with, um, and another subject that I wanted to do was, you know, prepping on a budget or how to begin prepping with hardly anything. You know, that, that right there, a lot of people, they see such an overwhelming, you know, oh, I got to have the guns. I got to have the nice sleeping bags. I got to have that, you know, $400 stove. I got to have, you know, guns and ammo and, oh, God, everything, you know, all this food storage. You do, but just take it a little bit at a time, you know. And uh, so one of the good places that I like to go to, of course, is the dollar store, okay? And you're going to get what you pay for. You know, you're going to get some pretty cheap stuff. But if you were to go into the dollar store even, and they have cans of, let's say, sardines, they have cans of oysters, they have cans of uh, ham, chicken, tuna fish, um, little bags of beans. You know, Walmart, you go in there, the same exact brand, the same exact can of ham or turkey or chicken or whatever it is that they have right there, um, which isn't probably the best meat to get, you know what I mean? But it keeps. You don't have to keep up freezer or fridge space. You can put it on a shelf, okay? And that's pretty much what you're looking for is things that don't take up a lot of resources and a lot of space in your daily usage. Uh, things that you could put them in a tote, a box, stack them in a closet, you know. Canned goods are phenomenal for that. And if you know how to can and you, you know, have a garden and stuff, and you've already done all that type of thing, more power to you. Um, that's one thing that I'm definitely going to start learning, and I've got a friend that may come on and we'll do a show about canning. The do's, the don'ts, the things that, um, the equipment, the things you need, you know, but as far as it goes with food storage is you also need to, you know, use your oldest stuff. You know, in your food storage, you can't just grab a can of SpaghettiOs or something, let's say, for instance, and throw them in your closet and five, ten years later expect to be able to eat that. You know, I mean, I know that they last a lot longer than, let's say, you cook up spaghetti, put it in a bowl, and put some saran wrap over it. That's not going to last very long. Maybe a few days you're going to get mold. It's going to stink. You're going to get food poisoning, okay? But a can of SpaghettiOs, you might be able to put it in your shelf for maybe two years, you know, but if you don't maintain what you have, you're going to end up whenever crap goes down, you're going to be stuck with your pants down, looking at your food going, holy crap, this stuff's been expired for a year. Okay. This can is bulging. It's full of botulism. I don't want to eat this and die. Okay. So, you know, if you just kind of maintain it once in a while, maybe put on your calendar every six months, you know, just say, hey, do a quick inventory, move your old stuff to the front, put your new stuff in the back, you know, check dates on cans. You know, I mean, we can do that kind of stuff pretty quick. Most of it's stamped in the same location and you can just quickly look through it. And if you have one or two cans that are, whoops, you know, get rid of them, throw them out, you know, or if they're just really close to whenever eat it. I mean, open it up, smell it, do the old taste, you know, do a test, uh, wait a few minutes. If nothing, you know, you don't feel funny or sick, maybe take a bigger bite, maybe wait an hour. If you're still good, Hey, then that can still good to go. Finish it off. Um, I hate wasting things, but I also hate, you know, um, not really having it 
available either. So, um, you know, even if you were to go into the store, let's say, I mean, okay, just think of for yourself, how often do you go to the store? Um, you know, maybe you go into Walmart every single day. Maybe you're one of those guys that, you know, every day you're looking for something for dinner. Okay. I mean, we've been there. Maybe you go in there once a month, whatever you do, when you go into that store, let's say you pick up a can of chili and a can of ham and that's it. And you just designate that for your shelf, for your storage, whatever you're out $2. Okay. I think everybody can spare $2 when you go to the store, you know, and if not, you know, then I'm sorry, I'm not trying to be offensive, but you know, even if you're getting handouts, let's say you're getting food from a food bank, maybe food from a church, uh, handouts from whatever, you could always take one or two of the canned goods that you're given and set them aside. You know, um, anybody could start to build up a stockpile with nothing, pretty much, uh, a bag of beans, a bag of rice, you know, it adds up guys, you know, really it does. And some of the other things that I've stored because, uh, you know, and my brother, he made a good point. You know, I kind of was talking with him before I did this through text and he said, you know, spices and chili seasonings and things like that. And he's exactly right, guys. If you've ever had to boil down some beans and try and eat that crap with no salt, no flavoring, no anything, you better be extremely hungry to finish off a big bowl of beans, okay? Or even just a bowl of plain white rice. You're going to have to be starving to really do that three meals a day. You know what I mean? So kind of the scenarios that were, you know, in my head that we're going over right now is, you know, society is still good. You can still go to the store, but you're just down on your luck. So we're eating a little bit of our food storage. Um, Freeze-dried foods. Okay. I mean, you can go into Walmart or wherever you're, you know, that's pretty much all we have in this town is a Walmart. I'm in a pretty small town. Um, other than that, we have like a Smith's, um, an Albertson's, you know, those type of grocery stores. But as far as like a store where you can buy everything, Walmart, that's all we've got. So you can get freeze dried food. You can even go into the camping section and buy some backpacking dinners, which are, you know, freeze dried, dehydrated foods. You need water to rehydrate them, but they have a shelf life of anywhere from 10 to 25 years, okay? Um, different ones, different brands have different shelf lives. But the biggest thing is, 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 I mean, you could use those to extend things out. So instead of eating a bowl of rice, um, like my brother mentioned to me, he says, you know, hey, sometimes we'll just do it to get rid of a, a backpacking meal that's, you know, coming close to its date. So we'll, uh, we'll mix up one meal with maybe six cups of rice. And it's excellent, you know, to test out that stuff. You should be eating the things that are in your food storage. Um, and I know a lot of times people just run in and they maybe grab a case of macaroni and cheese and they'll say, all right, that's good. And they throw it on their shelf. The one thing too is, you know, things like ramen noodles, macaroni and cheese, pasta, whatever you put on a shelf, a lot of times go back in a few months and look at it. You may have weevils. Okay. And weevils, I, I was trying to Google anything that you could get negative from weevils, okay? Now, I know that our, in our country, our diet doesn't really have, um, you know, bugs in our diet. A lot of countries throughout the world, bugs is, you know, a major part of their diet. 
But, hey, eat the weevils, man. That's free protein right there. I mean, might sound nasty. Just, you know, put a little bit of salt in there. Look forward while you eat. I don't know. Or you can dig them out. But I couldn't find a single negative thing about eating the weevils, all right? Um, for the most part, a weevil is a moth, um, I don't know, the, the deal before it becomes a moth, okay? Their offspring, whatever. So somewhere in that factory, a moth must have landed on the things, laid some eggs, or somehow the eggs didn't get killed during processing of the wheats. Um, so you have weevils that just appeared in your noodles, okay? Or maybe they're from the cardboard box. You just never know where those weevils came from. But, I mean, unless you guys find something different, I googled several different searches on several different websites. Weevils are good to go, guys. We can eat them. They're actually a really high source of protein. And uh, if you're boiling them up with your food, hey, I'm sure you won't even notice them if you don't look at them. But, you know, so a lot of, you know, you'll hear a lot of different acronyms and stuff throughout the prepping thing. and FIFO, or FIFO, however you pronounce it, F-I-F-O, it's first in, first out, and James Wesley Rawls actually talks a little bit about that in his one book, and if you think about it, it's kind of one of those no kidding, common sense things we should think of, eat the oldest stuff first, right, so that's where the whole rotation comes in, and they actually sell these really cool can rotators, and I bought them for about $9 a piece, and uh, you can get them on that several companies make them. And it's, I mean, if you've bought a can of soup from your store, I'm sure you've even pulled one out of a can rotator where you put your new cans in the top and whenever you pull one out to use, it was the oldest can that got put in. So um, they don't take up a lot of space. They actually help to organize and, and maximize your space for your shelving. So I would really look into getting that. I've seen people make them. Um, if you actually look at a can organizer on instructables.com um, you can look it up on youtube you can look them up on etsy i'm sure i'm um, just trying to think of all the different places that i've seen them um, but there's quite a few and it's a pretty much you screw it to your wall it's a sheet of plywood with some i-beam looking rails that just kind of hold the cans in and the cans run right up the uh, up the wall in a vertical deal and then at the bottom there's kind of a stop so you just put your cans in at the top and pull the newest one or the oldest one out of the bottom. So pretty ingenious, doesn't take up much room. You know, it might not be the uh, most pleasing looking thing to have, but you know, if you have a room in your home that you're going to dedicate to storage and kind of camping gear, I know we all have a room like that, right? Unless you live in a really cramped apartment, then maybe a case of, uh, you know, Kansas stuff might not be, you know, too hard to, to just stuff in a closet or something or under your bed. But some of the other things that you need to really look at are high calorie items. Okay. Because, you know, with me, whenever I look at a canon of, you know, vegetables, food, whatever, one of the biggest things I look at is protein, sodium, uh, because salt is important. And uh, there's another podcast out that I listen to, and it's called Gastropod. And they actually are the science and history behind food. And uh, Gastropod, killer, I love it. That, I mean, they go over everything. They might just do an entire show on just honey. And salt is one that I went over. 
And salt is a very important thing. Uh, without it, you can't process water. You can't process a lot of things. Uh, your muscles use a lot of salt. And they were they even talked about the FDA, how in their infinite stupidity that they keep coming up with crap. I mean, if you think about it, if if you look at a lot of the things that the FDA has deemed okay and good and other things bad, uh, it, it's just mind-blowing, you know, kickbacks and stuff. I mean, like alcohol. Alcohol is one of those things that if you get dependent on it, you can actually die if you co- if you quit cold turkey. And there's really no regulation on the FDA. I mean, they're just like, hey, go ahead. That's cool. As long as you're 21, go for it. But the FDA has actually recommended that you that you intake a really low amount of sodium or salt. And the gastropod people, they did a lot of other research. They looked into it. They talked with a lot of people. And uh, they actually disagree with the FDA. They said that if you in, intook the amount of salt that they recommend, that your body would start to have problems after a short time. And uh, that we need salt. They actually recommended that we should have in our body at all times at least three salt shakers worth of salt in your system. And hey, that's great for me. I love salt and I put it on everything. And, uh, you know, but you do have to watch it. You know, there's there are high blood pressure risks and different things with that that are associated, but also alcohol. If you drink a lot of alcohol, hey, your blood pressure is going up. So, you know what I mean? I would rather eat salt and lay off the alcohol. So, there you go. But salt is a very, very important food storage item. And it's a very overlooked item, too. Because a lot of people, you know, you just take salt for granted. Well, even in history, people have been paid in salt, their wages in salt. It has been used as one of the oldest currencies in the world. Um, honey along with it, too. There's quite a few different food things that we just take for granted. We're like, oh, hey, whip out the salt and use it on whatever, you know. And uh, it was used pretty sparingly by a lot of people in the past. But with salt, you can do all kinds of stuff. I mean, you can cure meats. You can flavor things. Um, and two, you're giving your body what it needs. And, you know, and it never goes bad. And it's pretty funny. That's another stupid FDA thing is that they put a stinking expiration date tag on salt. It will never expire. And you can never really get rid of it. If you dumped it in water and mixed it up until you had salt water, if you just let the pan of water sit out, eventually the water will evaporate and the salt will stay behind and you'll never lose it. So, you know, it's almost an indestructible thing. How can it go bad? I mean, it just cannot go bad, but they put an expiration date. Good job, FDA. And the one thing that you do need to look at with salts, though, is there's iodine, which is another key thing that we need, okay? And so I totally recommend buying only iodized salt, okay? And you see this fancy sea salt and rock salts and, you know, and I even heard of a company that's dedicated to salts. They have all kinds of garlic salts, flavored salts, all these things. Well, that's great. But the biggest important thing is to have the salt that you need, to have the iodine in there that you need, okay? And you can buy it really cheap right now. And I'll tell you, you can get a huge, pretty much a pound container 
for 99 cents or less. Even I've seen it as low as 43 cents at Walmart. So go in, ask them, hey, do you guys have a case of this? And it's already pre-packed. It's on a cardboard flat and it's got the shrink wrap around it. And there's like 12 or so in there. You're looking at 12 bucks for a huge case of salt. It'll be just worth its weight in gold when you're trying to flavor those beans, flavor the salt, maybe that rabbit that you shot, you know, the neighbor's cat, just depending on how bad we get. But the salt will be a lifesaver, all right? And herbs, spices, you know, these things, they get so overlooked in preppers. You know, they, they kind of just grab the, the beans, the bullets, the band-aids, and they go. And, you know, that's great. You will survive if you have to eat plain beans, plain rice. But, dude, come on. I'm not going to want to eat that crap plain. I don't know about you. Not me. So, you can also get these, uh, like, taco seasonings. Okay? And, you know, the taco seasonings, you're looking at, like, two for a dollar, three for a dollar sometimes. Whenever I see them at three or four for a dollar, I, I buy an entire case of them. And I've got chili seasonings. I've got hot, mild, medium taco seasonings. Hot, mild, medium. Um, just about anything you can think of. I mean, rubs, you know, that, that would be killer. If you're eating rabbit and you're not used to that gamey taste of wild animals, even deer, rabbit, you're used to eating that farm grain raised pig, cow, chicken, whatever. You go to a gamey animal that's a wild animal. There's a different taste to it, okay? I mean, they're eating sticks and crap to survive through the winter time. You eat them, it's going to transfer over, man. It's going to taste a little off. So, from what you're used to, pack seasonings, rubs, you won't you won't regret it, okay? It's worth its weight in gold. So, along with that, now we've got our beans, okay? We've talked about beans, we've talked about rice. Um, you know, and those are your two main staples. And if you look, and it's so funny, it kills me, all right? My, my wife is from Vietnam. And I lived in Okinawa, Japan when I was in the Marines for a year, okay? And if you even look at China, look at all these Asian countries. Some of the people have such poverty, and all they eat is white rice, okay? And they're just fine. I mean, whenever I was in, in uh, Vietnam and whenever I was in Okinawa, I never in my life saw brown rice there. If you showed somebody a bowl of brown rice, they'd look at it like, what the heck is that? And, you know, and then you hear all these people saying, oh, brown rice, that's the only thing. White rice is junk. Well, let me clarify something here, okay? I like a long grain jasmine rice. I like a white rice. I like a lot of things about rice, okay? It, it will pretty much last indefinitely. If you keep it from getting wet and moldy and stuff, it will last and last and last, okay? And, you know, there's a lot of things. I've heard, you know, it's associated to joint pain, inflammation, a few other things. But I'll tell you, I mean, I have that no matter what I, you know, tap water gives me joint pain, whatever. You know, but with the white rice, you know, that some countries, that's their entire staple, okay? And... The thing that you want to watch out for is an instant thing, okay? Whenever you look at, like, your instant oatmeal, your instant rice, even instant brown rice, okay? For those people that say brown rice is the only way you can eat rice. I mean, other than that, you're going to hell, you know, whatever. Okay, 
instant foods have been cooked one time, all right? Now, when you cook something, let's say you boil a vegetable, that water has a lot of nutrients in the water, okay? And so you don't really want to, like, eat something that's been cooked once, lost nutrients, been dried out, and now you're going to eat it again. My outlook on on uh, foods that are, you know, pre-cooked, instant, they call it, this is me, in my opinion. I haven't done the scientific lab work and all that. Um, but you're, you're eating a filler, okay? You've lost so much nutritional value that it's going to keep your stomach from feeling hungry and feeling empty. Period. End of it. Not a big fan of instant oatmeal, instant rice, okay? I don't care what, white or brown. Just not a fan of it. Now, to go back to your rice and your beans again, um, okay, you want to store it in a bucket, let's say. Not all buckets, and this is one thing that I learned whenever I started looking into putting things into buckets, um, not all buckets are created equal, okay? Let's say you go to Walmart and you got that cool Walmart brand bucket that's blue, looks cool, and you're like, wow, those look sharp, you know, I'll get a blue bucket. And, okay, one, the materials used to make that plastic bucket may not be food grade, okay? So the releasing agents, um, that's a big thing, okay? You don't want that kind of stuff in your food. And even if you wash the bucket out, who knows what's going to leach into your food from that bucket's material, okay? So do a little bit of research, even if you have to pay $9 a bucket or whatever it is that you have to pay, well worth it, money well spent. Okay, get a food-grade bucket, all right? And if you can't find food-grade buckets and you're like, man, I just have to do this, well, they make Mylar bags, okay? And I recommend a Mylar bag anyway, but a Mylar bag is a shiny, pretty much looks like a space blanket, you know, those survival little blankets. Well, put that, you know, open it up, wrap it around your bag, fill that full of your rice and beans, and, um, you know, roll it up and seal it. And then, you know, seal, put an oxygen absorber. If you live in a really humid climate, like you've got, you know, 40, 50, 80% humidity. Okay, throw maybe a desiccant in there. Something that's going to absorb the moistures. That's going to keep the moistures from leaching into your foods, causing mold, causing whatever, all kinds of problems. Okay. Moisture can definitely destroy it. And one of the points that my brother came up with that a lot of us kind of take for granted is sunlight. Okay. And heat. If you keep that food out in your shed and you live in like, let's say Tennessee or Alabama or whatever, and it's sweltering, it's humid, it's nasty. And you've got a dedicated shed out in your backyard that you just keep putting buckets of beans, buckets of rice, buckets of seasoning, whatever, the heat can definitely destroy it and, and just take away nutritional value at an alarming rate, okay? So, you know, you have beans and crap out there sitting for a couple of years in this terrible heat. It's pretty much possibly going to be just a filler to keep your belly from feeling starving, okay? So, I mean, that's one thing. You want to definitely keep your food as cool as possible, not all of us have a huge walk-in freezer or a, a, you know, 
area that we can keep it so cold. But if you have a basement, chances are that's going to keep it pretty nice and cool. And these buckets, okay, most important thing with the bucket, in my opinion, is the lid. Okay, if you can't get a good seal on your lid, that oxygen absorber that you just threw in there, junk. And another thing that I didn't know until a while back, whenever I started doing my own bucket preparing, is an oxygen absorber, let's say you find one in food that you purchased at the store, that oxygen absorber is junk, okay? It is done. It has done its job, and it is done. It has absorbed all the oxygen and done its thing, okay? It's garbage. You can order them off of eBay, okay? And eBay, they have, you know, you're going to pay about a dollar. And they are also um, size ready, you know? So if you have a five-gallon bucket, there's a certain size that you need. Otherwise, it's not going to absorb enough oxygen for that area. And so you throw an oxygen absorber. You throw in a desiccant, you seal up your Mylar bag, and I use a gamma lid, okay? These gamma lids are phenomenal. They're, they're tough. There's some really good designed plastic. Um, you snap them on. They come in tons of colors, too. So you can really organize by color. If, if you know, like, let's say you don't have a fancy label system and you just have a ton of white buckets, color coat them with lids. You know, maybe a white lid for salt, a yellow lid for seasoning, red for beans, blue for whatever. I don't know. Whatever you want to do, come up with your own system. But you can order these gamma lids, okay? And uh, and I'm, you know, I'm all about throwing plugs for things that I've found, things that have worked for me. Um, the gamma lid, what it does is it has a really heavy, heavy-duty O-ring. And whenever you put the rim on your bucket, you actually have to push it on there with everything you have. I mean, those things go on real tight. So you snap it on and then the lid screws on and screws off. And the lid itself also has a really nice heavy duty gasket. And you can screw that lid on so tight that it, it takes quite a bit to get it off. And, uh, so I did a little bit of an experiment. Okay. Ramen noodles are, you know, uh, you know, you hear a lot of people say, oh, they're junk, they're junk. Okay. Yeah, I agree. They're probably not the healthiest food out there, but they're cheap. They're a good filler. And a lot of people say, well, there's no nutritional value. Okay. The next time you hear somebody say that, or if it's you that's saying that, grab a pack of them, go to Walmart. If you don't, if you don't own any, because you hate them so bad, turn that package over and read it. Okay. In a package is actually two servings. All right. And, uh, Within that package, you have anywhere from 6 to 8 grams of protein per pack of noodles per serving. And there's two. So you're looking at, you know, 16 to 12 grams of protein per package. That's pretty high in my eyes. I mean, for a simple little 20-cent meal, you know, that high of protein, that's not bad. Yeah, you do have a lot of sodium, which doesn't come from the noodles. It's that little package of salt that you're eating, okay? And a lot of people say, well, that's, that's your MSG, that's your salts, that's whatever. Okay, another thing, along with the salt being bad for you, MSG, you hear that all the time. The only thing that I could honestly find on the internet, anywhere, that was a factor that was bad for MSG was that it makes anything taste good. That 
It actually tricks, it's a pseudochemical signal that tricks your brain into thinking, this is delicious, okay? Who gives a shit? Bring it on, you know? If I'm starving, MSG the hell out of those beans, you know? And they were saying that you could actually mix it in with dirt, and it would make the dirt taste awesome. And this is, you know, I, I couldn't see, they don't link it to kidney failures and diseases and all this other crap. Their only complaint was that it actually makes you want to eat more. And I can see, yeah, if you want to eat more stuff that tastes good, you're going to get big and fat. Whatever. Have some discipline, people. But the thing that I, you know, that I really looked into the MSG was, I mean, and I'm sure that, you know, and if you have a, an opinion on MSG, leave a comment on the show and I'll, and I'll definitely bring it up on another show. But I couldn't find any actual adverse health effect except for it makes shit taste better. Hey, I'm all about things tasting better. But the other thing... Okay, anyway, sorry. <laughs> I'm getting off on another tangent. I do that a lot. Um, so the experiment that I did was I took ramen noodles, okay? And if you leave those on your shelf, they go stale as all hell. They get disgusting after just a few weeks. So what I did was I took a, a bucket and I, you know, I didn't even do the Mylar bag because this was just kind of an experiment, but it was a, a white food grade bucket that I knew was food grade just because it's white. It's not food grade. But I put, um, I crushed them up a little bit so they'd fit better, but I put an entire case of ramen noodles in this bucket and, uh, and I sealed the bucket up and I put it on the shelf and I wrote the date on it. Well, I waited an entire year and a half, okay, to go back and see how these noodles fared, if it was full of weevils, and, uh, oh, and I did throw an oxygen absorber in there, okay? No desiccant for me, because I live in a pretty dry state, and I kept these buckets, you know, in pretty cool storage, and uh, so a year and a half went by, and I opened up the bucket, and I boiled up some water, and I put a scoop in there, and I'll tell you what, they didn't go stale. It actually, the bucket saved them, man. Uh, they, you know, they didn't taste, the first little bit kind of had a little bit of a different taste to it, but as I made it down past the first inch or so of it, it didn't taste any different than a pack of ramen noodles off your, your shelf in your kitchen. Okay, so, um, you know, I'm very, uh, I'm a big fan of the Gamma, gamma Seal lids. They are phenomenal. And uh, I'm going to maybe try and and uh, get a couple of sponsors possibly. And that would definitely be one that I would love to plug their stuff. Because you could use it for soaps, salts, um, beans, rice, anything that you want to bag up. Even if you wanted to fill a bucket clear full of ammo to keep it from getting wet in case your basement flooded. Awesome. These buckets, I've, I love them. And they're made to stack. So once you put the lid on it, it's made to put another bucket on top. So it makes storage really easy, really nice. And a five-gallon bucket, I mean, most people fill those up with paints, um, putties, you know, your drywall mud. We're talking some heavy, dense crap there, guys. So whenever you go to pick up a five-gallon bucket, that thing could weigh, you know, it could weigh easily 100 pounds depending on what's inside of it. So they're built pretty sturdy. You can stack them. Um, you know, they'll hold whatever. So anyway, to get back onto the actual food that I recommend, I actually just recommend what you normally would eat in your diet. 
you know, if you're vegetarian, if you're vegan, if you're a meat eater, whatever you are, you know, store the things that you know will sustain you. And, okay, where I kind of threw this show in with the whole winter prepping episode was um, if crap goes down right now, okay, one of the experiments that I that I actually challenged just about anybody to do in one of the classes that I held was go home, okay, let, let, do it on a Friday night. You're off work for the weekend. Go in Friday night. Take your wife. Take your kids. Whatever. Prove a point to them. Say, hey, look, guys, how prepared are we? And uh, let's let's see how prepared we really are. If crap hit right now, um, major blizzard, we were stuck in our house. Okay. So let's just see how prepared we are. So take all the food in your pantry, in your fridge, whatever, inventory it, okay, guys? See how long you would live on the food you have. A lot of people would look at their stuff and go, hmm, well, I've got a lot of syrup, I've got some butter, I've got some milk, I've got a few things, lots and lots of condiments, ketchup, barbecue sauces and stuff, but reality, guys, a lot of people out there don't have a lot of food stored. So that's where you kind of look at it and go, damn, we're not really prepared. You know, our pantry's always full of something that we need because we go to the store every other day. But really do an inventory, see where you stand. You might even find a can of funky stuff that you need to throw out. Throw it out. You know, um, so canned goods, perfect. You got your rices, your beans, pretty good too. As long as you do it correctly, okay? Want to see anybody uh, storing up a bunch of stuff and having it go to waste or getting sick off of using the wrong bucket, the wrong stuff, okay? So, um, even some of your exercise things. Like I said, I, I own a supplement store. We sell fitness equipment, fitness you know, supplements. I don't have a website. I'm not plugging my website or anything like that. Don't have one. But a jug of mass gainer, Okay. It's very, very high calories. You're looking at like 500 calories per serving. You're looking at like 40 to 50 grams of protein. You know, you're you're looking at a lot of, you know, maybe 30 grams of carbs. Hey, man, it stores really easy and it's fairly cheap per serving, okay? You might, I mean, you're paying all of it up front. You might pay anywhere from $65 to $80 for a huge bag. Looks like a bag of dog food, but... You know, you throw that in one of your uh, things, it's in a sealed bag. And most of the shelf life on my products, like proteins and things, it's about a good year and a half shelf life. So, you know, if you're working out, you're into fitness, you're using protein, maybe buy up two jugs, one to use, one to store in your rotation, okay? Because then if crap goes down, you have a secondary one, it becomes food storage, guys. You know, you could do one per meal. That's not a bad idea. But some of the other things that you know that you really need to look into is getting a good stockpile. Um, you know, with winter going, go out and try and grow a garden right now, guys. Not going to happen. You know, you have a bunch of seeds, let's say. You know, and that's another podcast that I really want to get. I've been talking with some of my suppliers that I've purchased seeds through for emergency caches kind of getting permission to throw their name out, seeing if they have an email or maybe a website or a Facebook page that they would like me to plug. And so far they've been really cool, responded back. And so I'm going to definitely do a show talking about them and their survival seeds. 
Um, so that's coming up in the future here. But, you know, you couldn't grow a garden right now where I live to save your life. Okay, If crap went down, I am eating food storage. And if your food storage sucks and you're not able to go and buy more right now, you're going to be like me trapped in my barracks room in Okinawa eating tuna fish. Okay, And it is pure hell, guys. I mean, I'm not even going to sugarcoat it. That was terrible. I would have probably at that point paid $25 to $30 for a steak. Okay. Just terrible. Uh, when you have to eat plain, bland food, it's it's just not the way I like to eat. But so if you want to go with bulk freeze-dried backpacking dinners, that's a great way to go too. You're gonna pay a lot more per serving. You're gonna be paying almost like, you know, roughly the price of eating a cheap value meal, uh, like a Wendy's McDonald's type thing per meal. So you're going to be paying anywhere from five to $9, you know, for a backpacking dinner, but they, they are a pretty good meal. I mean, there's something that if you're really picky and you don't want to be eating a bucket of beans, you know, look into your backpacker pantry is a good one. They have a killer menu, uh, mountain house, a little bit more on the cheaper side, but still really good. Uh, wise. Wise makes a really decent uh, dehydrated food. Um, you can get a lot of stuff. You know, you can get breakfast menus, lunch menus, dinner. You can get just the entree where you're eating just the, like, chicken or whatever. But um, MREs, guys, okay, we ate a lot of those in the military. They're decent. I love them. A lot of people hate them. But hey, I like airplane food. I mean, I, I will eat just about anything. I'm like a great white shark when it comes to food. But, okay, MREs are heavy, for one. And a lot of people will always say, well, I'll just throw a few MREs in my bug out bag. That shit is heavy. You get three or four meals, you're probably at like four or five pounds, okay? They're not light. They're not very compact. I mean, they are in like little foil containers that last for I was eating them in boot camp where the candy that came in them was like dust. It was so damn old. M&Ms that you open up and they were like white little pills and you squeeze them and they explode. That's how old those MREs were. And we ate them day in, day out, and we were fine. So how long do you have to let a bag of M&Ms sit until it's dust? That's how long an MRE will last, okay? Those things, I won't say they're indefinite, but they're definitely a really good food storage thing. If you're planning on bugging in, let's say you have a survival location and you can, you know, bury them, even though they're in a cardboard box, they're in a, in a really tough bag. It's uh, a really tough little brown, green plastic bag. And inside all your food is stored in foil. In fact, I had a few of them in my uh, camping equipment in my shed and I forgot about them. Um, some mice got in there and they, I mean, you should have seen those mice look like they wore their teeth out trying to get all the way through all the packaging. And in fact, most of it, they gave up. Like some of them made it through the main bag and one or two foil things. And you can see they just gave up. They were like, to hell with this. It is too much work. So those are really, really tough. You might even be able to bury those. And uh, they'd probably keep really good underneath. But keeping your food and stuff out of light too, okay? Sunlight, heat you know, hot weather, that will destroy stuff. If you're keeping MREs in your car, okay, that kind of stuff, it, it may, you know, if you keep it on your shelf in your basement, it'll last 
let's say 20 years. Let's just throw a number out there. You throw that same MRE in your hot truck all summer long. I wouldn't be surprised if you ate that a year later and got sick. Okay. I wouldn't put it past it because heat just does that crap. It makes bacteria grow. It's a, it just turns whatever has bacteria into a breeding ground. That's keep your food in cool, well-stored place. Okay. Um, kind of getting towards the end here of my, my time limit, but food storage guys, let's definitely, since it's winter time, I know the holidays are out. I know everybody is strapped, but dude, every time you go to the store, take an extra dollar, $2, $5. You, let's say you buy five cans of canned ham or, you know, you go in there and you say, Hey, look at that. There's a, there's SpaghettiOs or 50 cents a can. And I'm, and I'm planning on buying $3 worth of food today. That's almost six cans, okay? Grab six cans. It, you know, if crap went down, power's out, you're stuck in a cold house, I'll tell you what, six cans of SpaghettiOs will be a lot better than nothing, okay? So everybody can just start somewhere. You don't have to be rich. You don't have to be famous. You don't have to, you know what I mean? You don't have to be like me, of course. But no, I'm just teasing. But you don't have to, you know, have all the money in the world to get started prepping. Everybody starts somewhere, okay? And just start today. If today, right now, if you're listening to this, today is your day. Rethink your life. Rethink your budget. I know everybody can spend one to two dollars extra every time you go to the store, okay? And that's one of those things that. You have to do it, guys. It's not a, well, maybe I can get around it. No, you have to have a food storage of some kind, all right? And uh, with that, I guess I'll end this podcast and uh, tell you thanks a lot for listening and Semper Fi, guys. Now, at the uh, end here, I'm going to actually put a little clip of my, my little girl. She's three years old. She loves PJ Masks, which is a little cartoon superheroes. Um, I'm real big on superheroes. Hey, I know my brother and his kids, they, uh, they watch and, and do a lot of superhero stuff too. And, uh, nothing wrong with that guys. They teach a lot of good morals. They teach a lot of, uh, you know, root for the good guy, be the good guy. I think that kind of stuff is phenomenal for kids. All right. So anyway, with that, here's a clip of my little girl. Enjoy. So, with me right now is Little Catboy, Monkey, Gecko. Catboy, Owlet, and Gecko, all wrapped into one little monkey, huh? Skeleton? Yeah, skeleton. Okay, don't touch it. Okay, let's talk into it. You just, just... Microphone! It's a microphone, yeah. A microphone? Yep, it's a microphone. Achoo! Achoo, that's right. So, what do you want from Santa? Um... Christmas dinner dessert PJ Masks. You want PJ Masks? Yeah, PJ Masks. Oh, is that so fun? Yeah, fun's so fun. <laughs> Who's the PJ Masks? PJ Masks the tree. What do they say? Um, PJ Masks on the way. It's a nice day. Good job. <laughs>